Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Uh, host Dustin here, and you know, it's funny, I, uh, Duggar, I hit like, what is this, 120-something episodes the other day. And I'm working with, yeah, I'm working with a website guy that's, I, you know, I, I need a place to kind of condense all my content, right? Like, I feel like I could write some blog posts and obviously these podcasts and, you know, maybe some video reviews and stuff like that, right? And I'm like, man, I need a website again. We had Team Backcountry there for a while, but I might rebrand it. And so I was, I was looking at a website thing or getting a, talking with a guy about building the website and, um, he was like, you know, and I was telling him like all the types of media that I've been doing. I'm like, yeah. And the podcast has been the biggest one. And I've, and then it hit me. I'm like, I've done 125 episodes. And I'm like, holy cow, Duggar. But it's because I get to talk to guys like you about things like mule deer. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's, it's, I'm sure it's not hard on you, right? No. No, it's not. In fact, I, I talk about it all the time. It costs me money, right? But it's like, man, the the information that I get, purely selfish, the network that I've accumulated um, just from being friends with, you know, people that I talk to and have conversations with, and I I don't even care. Like, it's a small, small price to pay. So, um, Duggar, you've been on before, man. Uh, I think the last time we talked, we were bouncing around in a truck down there. Is that right? Or did uh, uh, no, no, we did that, and then we did another follow one. up. Um, we did a follow up. Just you, you called me up on the phone and we, oh, and yeah, we chatted right. for extensively about about mule deer. Yeah. So uh, this would be the third time, I think. Third. Well, why don't you? Uh, why don't you just give them whatever you want to give people? You could use this two minutes, Duggar, to uh, campaign for your favorite political guy or you could tell people who you are or whatever but i'll give you a full two minutes to do whatever you want with <laughs> it, it, it won't take two minutes at all <laughs> it I should just, listen that, don't that, be i i don't want don't be don't be uh so humble like like tell people what you're about man and like what you do and who you are so where where mule deer is concerned, I just love mule deer. So I mean, I was I was out. Well, we could talk about this in a second, but I just got home from, you know, trying to find a big rudder, trying to film some some deer and stuff, and just just I love being out there and you know filming them, chasing them, shed hunting them, tracking them, any anything to do with them, just love them. And I'm really coming to a point, honestly, Dustin, where <clears throat> killing them's not is is really not the fun part for sure. I, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd rather have them than kill them for sure. And so just, you know, I think maybe that comes with age too, a little bit, but you know, I think, I think it changes as you go along, but anyway, uh, I, I own, I think maybe from other episodes, people know I own an archery shop. And so what I do for a living is sell, sell archery equipment, work on it, sell it. Um, got, got a family here that I love. 
got four kids, my wife. Kind of, you uh, would, you would call that the four corners area, right? You guys kind of, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right in the four corners, right in the four corners. I can drive, I can drive 30 minutes and be in Arizona, Utah or Colorado Mm. or just right, right here. Perfect. Uh, That's a heck of a spot for mule deer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it it, it is. It's, I don't have to. I've never had a need or want to go very far from here. It's just I've got all I can handle here to keep up with the the nice bucks that I find here that I want to try to keep tabs on till <laughs> till I till I draw a tag. That's really it. You know, we don't get to hunt every year, and so you know I like to just be out amongst them and keep tabs on them, and and hopefully when I do draw a tag, it'll be a good year. So yeah, that's that's just kind of what I do. I guide on the river. I, I I'm a San Juan River. I'm a fly fishing guide. I do that as my second job, and so I'm out there fly fishing. You know, when I'm not looking for mule deer, and then I'm in the archery shop otherwise, and then do the family duties and you know a few few uh, honey dews every now and again yeah that actually probably a good time to mention i uh <clears throat> i was filling out my muley's matter submission for my tag that i ate which i was happy to and uh you know the the deadline's already passed so if you missed it you missed it but um and i'm thumbing through you know they let you choose all the uh things that you want to be considered to draw right there's you know first thing i went to is the tattoo that someone's given away and uh put put that on there but no i went i was going down through the list and i'm like oh that'd be cool i'll take that i'd take that that'd be cool that'd be cool and then i hit a couple and it was like uh the the word that gave it away was mojo because there was a couple other fishing uh trips or whatever on there and i'm like oh yeah fishing trip and then I saw Mojo fly fishing or whatever you call it. Um, what what is that? What it is? Mojo fly fishing. It is, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I guarantee. <laughs> and it, and it's it was a San Juan, and so that was like I put two and two together, and I text you. I'm like, dude, this is you, right? And you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> frick. I should have I should have just clicked all the others and just put that one. Like, if I don't win the fishing trip with Duggar, I don't want to do. I don't want to win anything. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a good that'd be a good time we could talk about mule deer yeah. actually you could you could probably spend a couple of days we'll we could fish one day and then we just go hit the hills another day and <laughs> go try to find some big bucks that'd be pretty cool there we go frick yeah man i'll uh yeah. pray pray for my app that it just that's all i win is your <laughs> uh your fishing trip but i will I, and hey hey i did i did submit i i had i had a colorado tag i did submit that too so mm. i made my list of the things i might want to to get and sent that tag into them yeah yeah cool cool initiative right like uh you know just if if you take it at its face value there's you know there's just a lot of good there and i think um yeah i was i was very impressed too you know along with all of us that you know we did the backpack food thing we put in some five days worth of food guys i'm not sure everyone completely understands what that is but i mean it's like a you know not quite as big a value as going on a fly fishing trip with Duggar, but it's, you know, but yeah, it was just, it was cool to see the whole community kind of pull together real quick for something that just made sense to a lot of us, you know? Yeah. I I really like it a lot. Actually. I was, I was stoked when I saw that they were going to do that. And and what a, what a, what an awesome idea. What an awesome idea. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And someone like you that, uh, like you said, I mean, you're to the point where, 
you know, and, and you would, I know you, and you would never project this mentality on anyone else, but you're to the point, definitely, like you said, where, you know, Frick, like you could go kill 170 every tag you have probably, right? Like, you know, or, or maybe you couldn't, but I, I, I believe that you could. And, you know, and so you're holding out for something, whether it's a score wise or just an old buck or whatever, you know, you and Mark seem to go back and forth on your little uh, Colorado thing there where, you know, one year you'll kill a big one and then he does, and then you do, and you guys kind of just, you know, go back, but you got no problem passing on, you know, smaller, younger bucks or whatever. I do not. And it, and it's getting easier every, every year it gets easier. There, there are, I think most, yeah, most of the times that I've had New Mexico tags for sure, I think, you know, yeah, you could, you could pass up 170 bucks. The, the, I haven't drawn for a while now. Um, the last tag I had in New Mexico is in 2019. Mm. So hopefully, you know, I'm feeling like maybe I'm due. My family members have drawn <laughs> and my fam, my family members are not like me. And <clears throat> sometimes that's a little tough. And, and sometimes I think that they think I'm a little crazy because I think sometimes I do project or, or I'm a little, you know, project that I, I only wanted to shoot a big deer. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a little pushy with that, but I got to be careful about that for sure, because they, they're not me. And, and most of them, like my daughter drew this year, she's obviously way younger than me and my nephew drew, and he's way younger than me. They're in their twenties. And, you know, you have to remember that, you know, they, they need the experiences and stuff like that. So, so when I go out with them, it's, it's, it's a little tougher um, for me, for me. Right. Because I know that we may shoot something that, that, that I would rather let live, but I have to also understand that again, it's important for them to have those experiences. And so, so sometimes that gets cut, the, the wires gets mixed up there, but anyway, yeah, for me, for me, it's, I, I just, I, I know I've heard this on a few other podcasts and, and I've felt this way for a while now, but I hear guys say that, you know, it may be that they'll never shoot another deer in their life. And sometimes I feel that way. Like, I feel like I'm looking for something now that, that on a lot of my hunts might not be there. <clears throat> and so, but I, but I'm good. I'm good with looking for it and, and being out, being out there and just, you know, loving it. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, a little chat with uh, Robbie on an episode not too long ago and, you know, we, we kind of brought that up and Robbie, Robbie does a good job of keeping me grounded just the way you're talking. Um, not obviously like my, I don't have like close you know, like I don't have kids or whatever that I'm out hunting with necessarily, but just the general public, right? Like people that I might see on Instagram, for example, that, you know, I'm like looking and, you know, maybe I know where they're hunting and maybe I don't or what tag they had or whatever, but I'm like, frick, like my initial, my initial reaction a lot of times anymore is like, frick, man, like, you know, I know you and you've hunted, you know, you've killed plenty of deer. Like, did you really need, you know, but it's not, you know, Robbie does a good job of grounding me when we talk and he's like, listen, like they have every right to do what they want too, just like you do, you know? <laughs> and, That's right. uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the big buck trophy buck, even bulls probably it's their, you know, it's just the, something that you deal with, um, remembering that, you know, it is, it is their experience and their tag and they're, they're more than happy, you know, they're, they're entitled to that experience or whatever. So. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, you know, obviously I, I sell archery equipment every day and many of the people that I sell bows to, especially now, a lot of new people getting, getting into it and whatnot, 
they, you know, they are not like me and it's very obvious. They just, they want a lot of opportunity and they want a lot of experience. A lot of them, you know, where we're at here and where I live, like they're very neat oriented. And so it's, it isn't even about the antlers. A lot of the times they just, they want to fill the freezer and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different people that want a lot of different things out of the resource. And I got to check myself a lot of times and remember that, you know, do you ever feel like when you hear that I'm, I'm, you know, predominant, even whether they're a hundred percent, they say, or predominantly for the meat, like, do you think they're full of it? Like, cause frankly, I do most of the time, Duggar, like, I think people use that as and again, this isn't like a virtue thing, like you have to be a certain way, but if you say something, then you should be that way, right? And I yes. I feel like a lot of times, you know, if, if for example, like if you're if you're if meat hunting is your number one, then first of all, like my favorite saying that I'm gonna one of these days I'm gonna put on a shirt um or a hat is like shoot a cow elk, right? Save it, save a mule deer and go shoot a cow elk. A, there's twice as much meat and B, the elk herds are doing fine. I mean, they are bursting at the seams across the entire West, I think in general. Uh, and then B, you know, if, if you've ever passed, <laughs> if you've ever passed on a legal deer, if you're a true meat hunter, right? I've got a buddy in my office here that I talk about quite a bit that I respect almost more than anybody because he says meat hunter and he is a freaking meat hunter, dude. Like the first, it doesn't matter if it's his draw tag or a general tag. Like he tipped over the first legal deer that he saw. Just like, I just want the freaking deer and the meat. And I'm like, dude, hat off, mazel tov, like, <laughs> you yeah. know, but like most yeah. people don't, you know, they're, well, you know, oh, I'm going to hold out till the last day and then I'm going to become a meat hunter all the, you know, and and again, I guess that's their prerogative too. I just curious kind of where you land on that and what you think. I think there's a segment of people that are, that are truly meat hunters. And I think that, I think that here in our region, I think that they're, and I'm, I don't know for sure, but it feels like there's more of them than maybe in other regions and I, and I strongly feel like, too, a lot of our customers are Native American. We sell a lot of archery equipment to, to, to the Navajo, the, you know, the Hickory Apache, the Southern Ute. Um, you know, I got a lot of customers that, that are those guys. And they, when they, most of those guys, when they say they're after the meat, they're after the meat. They shoot the first thing they see. Yeah. And so they're not passing up bucks. And then there's, there's also, I believe, a segment of people that it's just kind of baloney when they say that. Um, you know, it's, and, 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 and so... And then the other thing too, I think, is there's there's definitely um, some greed, and what what I mean by that is people want as many tags as they possibly can get, you know, and so and so and, and they want to shoot a lot of they want to shoot, they really do. Now they might they might not be in at a hundred percent for the meat, but they are hunters and they like to get as many tags as they can get and they like to shoot stuff. You know what I mean? And so I think that there's a segment of those people as well. And, and, and then I've got people that, you know, obviously come in my shop that are, that are trophy hunters, but um, I honestly believe that no one's a bigger trophy hunter than I am. I just, I feel like I'm, I'm fixing to tip over into preservation, not conservation. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like save them all, you know, and, and just because I love them so much. Now, obviously I say that joking, 
I'm joking about that somewhat, but I, but I do, you know, sometimes I feel that way. And, and I do like a lot of it for me now is like, like Morgan, my daughter's hunt that we just, we just got done with. I put in 20 days of scouting prior to that hunt. And, um, and I put in a bunch for my dad who had the, had the same tag last year. And I, I just, dang, it's like, it's, it's almost like I'm looking for stuff in, in my brain that probably doesn't even exist. And so every big track I can find, I track it down and every, every clay hill that's got big buck tracks on it, I have to go back and glass it. And I got to try to find a set of sheds that nobody's come across or, you know, new water sources and new country. And, and it's almost like the search for me is becoming as fun as it used to be to pull the trigger. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I just, you know, I'll never let up. I'll, and, and when the bucks are big enough, I'm definitely shooting, no doubt about it. But, but I've just had a great time hanging trail cameras and all that stuff. I call all that stuff shrinking the country. I thought that that was my thing because I've said that for years and years. And all of a sudden I was talking to some somebody and he said, you know, yeah, I like to, you know, when I'm scouting, I like to shrink the country and stuff. And I'm like, hey, that's my thing. He's like, no, <laughs> people, people, people say that all the time on, on social media. And like, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's it's your uh, saying if you never heard it that's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah right right so so you know for for scouting for our hunt maybe i could talk about this just a little bit if it's cool with you mm -hmm. like i think it might bring some value to to maybe maybe people that are looking for big deer obviously our country down here it's i would call it high desert and rim rock and so it's you know it's conducive to to tracks to tracking and 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 that sort of a thing. I think there's a lot of other places that, you know, there's probably a lot of places in the West that this would be, this would be a technique you'd want to do. And then there's maybe a lot that it wouldn't work. But, um, like like the the country can be overwhelming, you know. Yes. Like you go out you go out there and let's just say that, um, <clears throat> let's say there's like a a ridge that you want to scout and you've never been there before, but it's like five miles long and three miles wide or whatever, you know? And what's fun for me, I guess I'm saying is what's fun for me is, is to shrink that country into, into a huntable patch where you're eliminating a lot of the stuff that you don't need to be wasting time in. And you're, and you're taking that big old ridge or big old Mesa and you're shrinking it down to a spot where there's a big deer that's the only place that you need to be in that in that particular square mileage you know what i mean and so i'm starting to have a lot of fun with that and i think that you know a lot of that fun is hiking like you have to hike you can't i don't think that in our neck of the woods you can shrink the country with glass because there's just too many places that are kind of flat and rolling and there's too many places you just can't get your glass on yeah and so and so the way i was breaking it down and the way i've, I've mostly always done it is is you you know I look at that at that at that mesa and I hike the whole dang thing, and I I mostly am you know trying to find sheds off a buck that maybe is still alive something that nobody's seen or nobody's you know nobody knows about. That's asking a lot in twenty twenty three probably huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a story about our herd hunt that'll that'll kind of go that'll go with that. Remind me I need to tell you. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, so I hike, I hike all that country and then, you know, what'll happen is, is, you know, I'm, I'm looking for water sources I don't know about because it's always hot and dry down here and I'm looking for tracks mostly. 
um, you know, I'm looking for those things as I'm, as I'm walking around. And so my any, goal for and, those, and any track or just big buck tracks specifically, just big, just, yeah, just big buck tracks. Yeah. And so, you know, down here, down here where we're at, like the bitter, bitter brush. And I think probably in most places, it's the number one food source. And so that bitter brush down here will grow on real soft kind of clay, sandy hills. Mm. And so as I'm, as I'm breaking that mesa down, I'm, I'm looking for those areas that are feeding areas. And I, I think I mentioned this last time, but I absolutely hate to glass. I hate glassing. Like I, I'll, I'll only glass if I, if I'm glassing for a specific buck or, or I'm glassing in an area that, that I found tracks in that I think will hold a buck. And so, and so I would hike around, you know, is breaking it, down. The is street. it just, is that because of the, the mundaneness of it? Is it because of the ineffectiveness of it or like, like when you say you're, once you know a big buck's living in there, you're willing to sit behind glass. Is that just because you know the bank, the juice is worth the squeeze? Yes. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better than, than that right there. Okay. We, we, I see people and even sometimes guides and outfitters that would, you know, our hunts are short down here. You know that you have that tag one time right down here. Yeah. It's a five day hunt. Blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. So, so I know people that'll sit behind glass for five straight days, and at the end, just kind of shrug their shoulders and go, "Oh well, he never showed up." Yeah, No, <laughs> no, no way. So, so anyway, I'm looking for the I'm looking for a big deer for Morgan, and so I'm I'm getting into some new country, which is always really fun. And that goes back to you know me loving big mule deer and trying to find them more than killing them actually, but I'm just trying to find something that nobody's found before. So. You know, finding tracks on some of those some of those feeding areas and stuff. So my goal was to, every time I went out, was to find a place that I could glass in the morning time the next time that I went out. Obviously, to find a really big track or or a big buck in a new area and to hang a trail camera. So every time I went out, that was I had to do those three things. Oh, and I had to see a buck, or else I felt like it was a fail. <laughs> right? I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna see a I'm gonna see at least one buck. We, in these units, there's not very many deer. So, yeah. you know, I had those goals set out. So it, it kind of started to trip over pretty cool because I would hike around and almost everywhere, you know, big patch of country that I could shrink, I, I would find, you know, a big, a nice buck track, not always really big to die for, but, you know, hey, that's a buck. It's feeding on this clay hill, you know, it's feeding on these clay hills. And, hey, cool, there. well, look at that. There's a, there's a pond over here. He's probably using the pond or whatever. And then, you know, you hang a trail camera on the pond and they say, you know, you're getting pictures of the deer or the next time I go back in the morning time, I glass that specific feeding area to find that deer. Right. And I just keep I just kept tripping over that every every new fresh day. And so I was finding a place to glass the next day I went out and then I was you know trying to find a big deer. So pretty cool, man. Ended up seeing more more bucks than I thought I was going to see doing it that way, which was pretty awesome. Uh which tactic like like visually kicking them up uh following tracks and and kicking them up randomly kicking them up finding water and putting trail camera down what what did you find was the most effective you think all of the above yeah it was um i found out that i found out that I like when I scout this is this is going to sound maybe weird but i found out that when i scout like i rarely look up like, I feel like I'm looking at the ground all the time, trying to find sheds, trying to find tracks. Now, <laughs> if all of a sudden I hear a thump, 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 you know, obviously I'm going to look up, try to get to some high ground or track him down and see him, whatever. Right. But, but I feel like, like it's a lot of groundwork. Like I'm looking at the ground, I'm f- trying to find sheds, 
because I'm going to come back if I find those tracks, I'm going to come back and try to glass them up anyway. Yeah. You know, that's, that's for later. So, um, and then I find that when I'm hunting, I rarely look down. <laughs> so yeah. it's like just the opposite, you know what I mean? <laughs> because by that time you're locked in on a deer and you're, you're ready to rumble. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're not, you, you know, your eyes up and, and, and tuned in. Well, one of, you, one of the yeah. favorite concepts that I ever heard for, was from you and you were talking about how, you know, especially down in that country with these kind of tactics, um, how aggressive you would be, right? And how the hunt literally didn't start until you kicked a buck up and and found him, right? And, and again, most guys in this part of the world in – you know, whether it's early season or whatever, like you feel like if you purposely blew a deer out, like that's it, you know, you might never, never see that big buck in this kind of country up here because he drops down into the, his, you know, second, uh, you know, secondary living for the, you know, the fall and then he's gone and he feels that pressure or whatever. But, you know, down there, it's, it's just, you got to play the game on the field that you're on, you know, and it's like where he's already hiding where else, you know, the, the country's also, I don't know if generic's the right word, right. But it, it's all kind of the same layout right down there. Like just kind of that, you know, it's not, it's not like there's a big, deep, nasty Canyon that he can go hide into. Right. Duggar. Like, like, so, so your, your idea of just, man, the hunt starts when, when I get eyes on him or move him, applies really well down there yes yeah always so, so yeah something that i can say about like on morgan's hunts so we uh we ended up we had two bucks that we wanted to kill and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later but one of the bucks that we wanted to kill on day four we were uh, there were some things that led up to this point that, that to this to this point in the hunt but we we were walking out kind of towards dark on this little point we end up jumping the jumping one of the deer and she she wasn't quick enough so she didn't get a shot at it but it ends up going in in some of these things i call rollers it's just a bunch of like arroyos and kind of kind of rolling terrain and it gets out there and she shot a shot at it she missed it and it went over this this little roller out there it was maybe 400 yards when it went over that little roller and so I'm saying all this to, to illustrate a point that you just kind of made as far as not being afraid to not being afraid to get in there after him and jump him, which I've never been afraid to do that. So the next day we knew that that little roller that that buck went over and um, I got one of my buddies that that is the, probably the best tracker I've ever seen. There's about three guys down here and, and maybe everybody has a guy they know in their area that can track like unbelievably. But there's about three of them down here that are just would blow your mind, like how good they are, right? So I called one of them because we needed to kill this buck. I said, look, we got one day left. I said, it hasn't rained forever. It's sandy down here. I need you to come help me sort this track out. And so he came down. He said, yeah, I can, I can help you a half a day. I got to get to work in the afternoon, but I can help you for a half a day. So he came, he got there and we, I kind of showed him what happened and where the buck went. He's like, cool. He said, just, you know, and I knew, I knew what to do. And he's like, yeah, get up on that high point. Let me go see if I can sort it out. So he goes, so we, he get, he gets over there and he gets on the track and it goes over that little roller and he's starting to sort it out. And we weren't very far away from him. So it wasn't very much longer. We met up and he goes, man, you'll never believe what that buck did. I said, it went over that hill and laid down, didn't it? He goes, yep. Mm -hmm. He said, 
He said, she shot at it right on this side, right? I said, she shot at it right on that side. He said, that thing went over the top of that thing 50 yards and laid down on that roller. Right. I said, well, I said, that's, that explains why we sat there for the next 30 minutes on the shooting sticks waiting for that thing to come out, and it didn't. <laughs> so stuff like that <laughs> is why I love big bucks, man. And so, and so it just goes to show you, we had just jumped that deer and it was, you know, it was trotting through that stuff. But as soon as it got over the top of that one, it just laid down. It wasn't going to run out of the country for 15 miles like an elk would. It was just going to go hide, you know? Yeah. And so I've, I've never been afraid. I've never been afraid of jumping them up like ever. Yeah. Cause and, uh, you know, especially, <clears throat> especially, scout, especially scouting because they have a core area that they're not going to leave. Right. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta get eyes on them and, and, and it's a game like whenever you become a guy that wants to shoot the biggest and the best, it really does be, become a, a sped up game. And what I mean by that is you have to you have to eliminate bucks as fast as you possibly can, the quickest way you can, so that you're not wasting valuable scouting or hunting time on, on, on one that you don't know what it is. In other words, if you find a track and it's pretty big and you're like, okay, well, you know, what's the fastest way? that I can see if this buck is a shooter or not. Yeah. And then I usually just assess it and I'm like, okay, this is really open country. This deer has been feeding on these three fingers of, of clay with this bitter brush. So I think next time I come out, I'm just going to get up right there on that high point and I'm going to probably be able to find him fairly quickly. And that's what I did. And that's what I do. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. It's like a 145 four point ain't big enough, not even close. Right. And you, and you move on from that area you've shrunk the country. You've seen the buck. It's like, okay, we got to get out of here. Right. And it becomes, a, and it's not sped up as in not fun. It's just like, I got to eliminate as many deer as fast as I possibly can. Cause I only have so much time to scout and hunt. Does that make sense? Yep. Here. Yeah. And, and here's a totally different angle, but the same exact concept that I finally caught myself doing years ago and, and had to correct myself is I would be, let's say, just a morning glassing, you know, up in this type of country, right? Like back country, and you pop up on the glass point first thing in the morning, and you sit in there glassing, right? And there might be deer everywhere. There might not, or, the, you know, there's there's animals, and, and you, you glass up, and you see that buck that you said, 140-something inch, four-point. And I would, ca- even, even, even elk, right? I would catch myself sitting there for... 10, 15 minutes sometimes just watching them. And like in your head, right? You're like, yeah, like, you know, at the time I'm like, yeah, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, that's not a buck I'm going to kill, but, but I'm just like, this is cool to just watch them. And there's a time for that, I'm sure. But if you're really getting down to business, like, you know, it, and it's just like, boom, there's a deer. Okay. That's not the deer that I'm here for. That's not even the species I'm here for freaking move on like it's it's hard as as like you you know as 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 guys who love to chase mule deer or we're out or or any animal that you're after just outdoorsmen in general right it might be a freaking coyote that's over there Duggar. like i've i've caught myself sitting and watching a coyote mousing around for for five minutes it like you know 20 minutes after the sun comes up and i'm like snap out of it dude like what are you here for and what are you even looking at like this isn't what you're here for right <laughs> like exactly it's the same principle and it's like dude you gotta move on like you know and and whether that's looking other places from where you're at or just picking up all together this is one thing my brother is exceptional at because he's got a little adhd you know quote unquote um he just is a restless 
guy, right? And so he'll sit somewhere and it's like, dude, if he ain't seeing what he's there for, like, you know, whatever it takes you think to cover a, a canyon or a, the country you can see, boom, he's moving. Like, I'm going to go on the backside of the ridge. I'm going to go hike over to this other point, you know, and I, I'm, I am lazy, right? I'm a lazy, like, you know, I get back there and I'm like, dude, we hiked all the way up to the top of this glassing point. This is perfect. I can see everything. I'm going to sit here the rest of the morning, right? Well, it's like, dude, you've looked at 90% of what's here probably, and it's not it, right? Like, you just, you got to move on from whatever it is. So anyway, that was just kind of a different angle that came to mind. No, you're, no, you're nailing exactly the point that I'm trying to make for sure. And, you know, it's like, and you might get the comment, well, well, dang, Dustin, don't you just, don't you just want to enjoy nature while you're out there? Well, yeah, well, well, uh, but yeah, but I can go watch a coyote chase a mouse like in February or right. something, or or I can I can go do that some other time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and now, even now, now might not be the time to do that. I I do. I'm not saying I don't enjoy doing that kind of thing, but man, when you're chasing really big deer and you're and you got a limited amount of time to scout and hunt, I I'm I think me and me and your brother would probably be you guys would <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep. I wish he could draw a tag. I wish you guys could drop tags down here again. Cause I think that we'd have just a great time and I would definitely set aside time if I didn't have any other hunts. But, well, don't think I'm not yeah. trying Duggar. My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Frick. Yeah. Hey, hey, so yeah. So along those same lines, I did that very thing tonight. So right now, you know, our ruts, our rut is starting to really, really heat up down here. And, um, and it's like, you know, you do, it, it makes you have a little bit of that ADHD because, because you want to be, you want to see as many doe groups and does as you possibly can see so you can you know find the buck that you're looking for because the buck that you're looking for is like you know i don't what what would you say it is today one in a thousand Jeez. i don't i don't know what i don't know what the math would be there but i know it's really bad you know yeah. and and so so tonight i'm like I, I left work a little bit early and i'm like i got to get out there and see if i can lay some footage down i bought a new a new uh prosumer video camera by the mm. way so I'm, I'm i'm back in the game filming running deer and stuff which will be fun for for uh people watching the instagram because i'm hoping, hoping to lay down some big deer but anyway so and, and hey and speaking of that i've got to the point now where i won't even turn my camera on if it's a giant so it's like i'm gonna have a bunch of empty sd cards and empty tags because <laughs> <laughs> it's not even worth looking at even... to be big, right <laughs> Which is, which is really that maybe that'll illustrate me really well. So, <laughs> so, so tonight I, I go, I'm just 15 minutes south of, south of uh, Bluefield here. I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to go check out this spot. I know there's always some deer there and, and maybe I can find a, maybe I can find a big old buck, man, that people are just driving 75 miles an hour past, you know? And so, and so I, so I, so I turn off in there and it, it has been raining and snowing here all day long. So I got wet dirt, which is really awesome. And so um, I get down and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of bumping around in my truck a little bit, just got my head hanging out, looking for tracks. I went by, I went by a, a, a fresh set of, of buck tracks, pretty decent sized buck following a doe. I was like, well, obviously, you know, it's that time of year. So I was like, I'll come back and maybe track that deer. That'd be kind of cool. So, so I kept driving around, right. And the sun's going down a little bit. It got a little bit closer to, to, to dark. And so I got back, I went back to that track and I sat there and I thought about it and I'm like, okay, that track is going that direction. I only have, I only have 30 minutes. There's probably no way I'm going to track that buck and that doe and actually get video of them. It's a big enough buck to track. I know this road makes a little circle around every one of these little arroyos and little rollers right here. 
the chance to see that deer from the truck right now, the direction that track's going is really high and I could probably do it really fast. I drove down that road, dude, not even 300 yards. And that thing was standing 20 yards off the road with that. <laughs> so my, so my point with it, and it wasn't a big enough buck to film by the way, it was uh, one, 155, four point. But my point with that is, is that I almost just for a second, I just because I love to track, I almost just got out on that track. But then I thought about it for a second and I thought about what is the fastest way I can lay eyes on this buck because I don't want to come back here again. I want to go somewhere else. But if I don't see him, I'm going to have to come back here. Right. And so I thought, no, the easiest way is I'm pretty sure the lay of the land is going to afford me the ability to just see him from the truck. And so that's what I did in that work. And the older I've got, the, the more, the better I am at that just because of experience after experience after experience. Right. Yeah. And so that we talked about time in the woods last time we talked and that's just basically what it is. And so, you know, every time I pull that off and I get that, I get that check mark on, on the track, what kind of bucket is, or, you know, you know, I see a, I see a, a track at a water hole. A lot of times, you know, trail cameras are cool because they can, they do that really fast for you too. So if you got water around there, you hang the old trail camera on there, you go back and check it, you go, okay, there's three bucks here and there's was roughly three tracks here. So I'm I'm pretty sure I'm done. Obviously, you never know for sure. <clears throat> and someone else might say, Ooh, I would just stay there, but I'm just not that guy. Like if I think there was three tracks and I got pictures of three bucks, I'm out of there. <laughs> you know? uh, Moving I'm, on. I'm yeah, I'm I'm curious when you talk about that, you know, shrinking the country. And, and just kind of breaking it down, you know, re- whether it's a big mountain ridge or whatever you're kind of referring to there, how would you, and I know that's your home court, but like if you were to apply that to this country where I hunt, right? Like Western Wyoming, for example, what, mm-hmm. what, what, how would you, how would you go about that in that kind of country? Or how would you apply that principle of kind of breaking down the, the country into different zones or whatever to find where the bucks are? It's all about hiking for me, just, just hiking. And I, I'm a fast hiker, Dustin. Like I don't like, and that's maybe why I don't find as many sheds as I, I should, because I'm probably walking too fast for that. But, um, but, but I, I try to, I try to cover it as fast as I possibly can. So, so I'm hiking it all and I'm just, I'm really, it's really track oriented. Um, and because you know how it is, like you've probably, I know for a fact you've, you've been on a hunt, right. And you're, and it's maybe it's tough for a while, you know, and it's always tough till it isn't right. It always, it always just flips on a, on a millisecond. All of a sudden it's awesome. Right. And and that's the definition of me for me when the hunt starts. But anyway, you, you've been, you've had this big, big patch of, of country in front of you and it's just overwhelming you, but you just make effort and you make effort and you make effort. And finally that effort leads you to a smaller portion of that country and then that smaller portion of that country becomes where you hunt the rest of the hunt because there's a big deer there and and then what happens is is now you have that patch of country on lockdown and so now you can come back historically to that patch of country every year because you know that hey on any given year the best part of this ridge is right here yeah and that's so valuable i got i got a good example of that yeah, so we we uh, and, and this will this will be quick, but uh, hiking into a spot was it two years ago or three years ago? Anyway, just a spot up here in in this Western Wyoming country, 
and you know going in i'd never been in there and so it's it's like it, it ends up right now i know that it's like eight or nine miles to get where it's good and where the bucks actually hang out but you know you, you do that on your first trip in it's like you know we got in like two and a half miles and it opens up to a, a little basin and even though the trail kind of goes through the middle of it it's really good looking country well guess what the bucks don't hang out in there like they just don't and but the first trip in there I'm like, we set up camp and we stopped and we're like, you know, there wasn't any other people. So we're like, frick, let's just glass this. Nothing. Right. And, and now it's like, you just blow right past all that and you go right to the good stuff. And it only gets good at nine, you know, eight and a half, nine miles, a couple little, you know, basins there that you finally get to. But yeah, just, just knowing, knowing when and when not to, <laughs> to waste your time. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool though? Like you, I can, I can tell you have that patch of country on lockdown. Like you've yeah. shrunk it to the point where you're not going to waste your time where you know you shouldn't waste your time. And then, and then how cool is it whenever you go into a new area and you shrink that country down to a one specific spot, and then you go to another area and you shrink that into one specific spot. And, and I don't know if it's this way everywhere, but definitely where I live down here, when those, when you, when you shrink that to those spots, those spots traditionally are where you want to look every year. And, and so the more of those that you have, the, the more successful you are on big deer. And, and the ones that we find, there's always nice, mature bucks in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it's, maybe it's not always a scoring deer. Maybe, 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 it, you know, it hasn't had the, it hasn't had good year. We haven't had enough years of good nutrition and moisture and all those things that, that it needs to, to, to manifest the genetics that it has in the best way but there's always mature animals there and it's it's just really cool the more time you spend out there and the more time the more effort you put in and the more of those spots you have the more lethal you are and that's the fun of it for me you know that's the fun of it for sure yeah you know this this year up here was a uh you know and and i I, i'm really curious how it actually played out for you guys down south but you know we got hammered by the winter right and so it was tough it was just you know, the, the bucks that seemed to be there were still in that, you know, younger two and a half, three and a half year old age class, four and a half, maybe, I don't, I don't believe I saw a four and a half year old deer, but, um, and so on the, on the second, I had kind of two trips. I went out and on the second one, you know, a, I took my horse and that's a production, especially with a, you know, a, a three and a half, is he three and a half, two and a half, Duggar, two, three and a half year old horse, whatever he is, two and a half. Anyway, he's, he's young, right? He's 30. He's like, I, I broke him myself 30, 40 rides is all. So this is going to be a big production. Um, but I know, I knew I needed to get him on the mountain and get some experience for later on. And so I took him, but then also I went to a completely different spot. I just, you know, I, you know how it is. You probably have a thousand waypoints on your Onyx save that you like, you know, this is a point of interest. This is a point of interest. Well, I finally, you know, I, I finally just went to one of them. And, um, because I had heard of a big buck being in there in the past and I, I've talked about this recently, so I'm not going to go too deep in it, but I just, the, the fact that you're talking, you know, the, the, the principle you're talking about, I checked another area on the, you know, I put another area in my little bank and I didn't even see a deer Duggar, but what I did see was how incredibly hard it is to access this country that I just went into. And that told me everything I needed to know. A, I, I have already known that there was a there was a big buck there in the past, right? I had known of a big buck. 
whether, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how I know, but I know there's a big buck hanging in a certain basin. And then I tried to get in there and it's like, holy piss. You know, a, a maybe a 15 year old seasoned mountain horse would have made that trail across the shell rock and stuff. But I had to turn, I, I turned him around the young one. And so I didn't even get in there. And I know like, dude, that's a spot I'm going to next year. Like come July or June or whatever, as soon as I can get in there, like I'll be in there. And like you said, I guarantee you, I guarantee you there's, there's a relatively mature buck, right? He might not score well, or he might not be, you know, eight and a half. He might be four and a half, whatever, but that's a place where bucks hang out because frick man, like, like, Hey, I already know one was there and B it is, is freaking nasty spot to get into. Um, and so, yeah, just, just every single year, right. Every time you can go out putting one of those in your bank for sure. Like that, that's it. And it, how cool is that too? It's, it's, it, you know, it, how hard is it these days? Like how hard is it Dustin to find a niche place like that? Oh, freak, man. Like it is so hard. And you know, I've had this discussion with some, some pretty hardcore mule deer guys around here. And we have this discussion about, you know, how is, how, how let's just, let's just, let's just say it's a one specific buck and I'll just call him Bob. Like how, how is Bob surviving every year? Right. And, 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 and most people will, will they got this romantic uh, notion that these things are smarter than humans. You know, they, they, they think they, they, they think and reason like us. Right. And they just, they, they, they got a rock they go hide under and you just, they're so smart, man. They only come out at night and blah, blah, blah. Right. We've all heard those things, right? Monster moss back mule deer, right? The sun never hits them and this and that, right? I, I don't believe that they reason that out. I believe that the, the big bucks grow, get age because they have coincidental niches. In other words, they have, they have, they're, 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 they're born and then they're living this pattern and, you know, obviously they're living where there's good feed and they, they got water and they got the necessities and stuff like that. But they're just in a place where most people, for whatever reason, are not looking. Yes. And they're just making it right. I don't think that they're, I don't, they just react. They just react to, Doug, to danger. Doug, they don't think I, like me. So, so here I am the other night, Kate, you, like, I can't believe you just said it this way. Cause like. Here I am the other night at the house and it's just me and my wife. So I'm just like, I get this idea in my head and, and it came from something on Instagram or whatever, but I get talking to my wife and I'm trying to explain this, like this principle, this theory that I have. And I, I, I again, I can't remember exactly how we got on the road, but I'm just sitting there just like almost yelling at my wife. I'm so, uh, you know, adamant about this principle. And it was this exact thing. I said, you know, this notion that like these bucks are just, ultra smart or that they're like, you know, they're just so like, you know, and it's not, I said, it's not, I said, it's Jen, you know, after going through breaking this horse, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I told her or what I was pitching to her horses. They don't, they just learn. They, there's a principle, right? Horses learn from the release of pressure. Okay. So if you, if a horse is doing something you don't want to do, you just have to be smart enough to redirect their feet or redirect or, or get their head thinking a different way by applying pressure in the right way and then releasing it when they do what you want. Right. It's mm -hmm. yeah. once you really get that and then, you know, and, and an idiot like me, I just follow along with, you know, these programs and these, these guys that, that know all those little individual instances. But once I learned that, 
breaking a horse, at least this horse, he was a, you know, half draft, like a deadhead kind of a horse. It became very easy, but I, I think even a hot headed horse will still be the same principle because I get it now. They, they, they learn from, you know, they learn from the release of pressure. You, you make it hard, the wrong thing hard and the right thing easy. Right. And man, yeah. is that not exactly what we're talking about with deer, right? Like they, they get to a point where like the wrong place is hard and they learn and they move and then they get in or they get killed. Or, and, but the one that gets, you know, turns into six or eight or 10 year old buck, he lives in a place where he's learned that there's no pressure here. Like it, it's just yep. as simple as that, right? Like, isn't that what you're saying? Yep. Kind of. It, it is. It is. Let me, let me give you a really awesome example. So we have, and I don't like to use anybody's names on, on podcasts. Cause I don't know if I got permission to do this. So I'll just, I'll just call them hunters, but we, I have a guy that comes in my shop. He hunts timberline, he hunts timberline meal deer in Colorado. Okay. And those deer obviously migrate, you know, off those peaks and they come down. And in our, and, and where we're at, when they come off those peaks, they go through an absolute gauntlet. <laughs> they they have they have all the Colorado hunts, right, which we now know are really late, yeah. hard, really hard on mature bucks, right? They go through for where we're at, they go through the southern U Indian reservation. Those guys start hunting September 1st and they go till the end of December. They can hunt with a gun anytime they want. So right through the rut, okay, when the when the bucks are the dumbest, they cross highways, they get ran over by you know vehicles, they they get chased by mountain lions and all the predation, they get poached, they end up if they're lucky, they end up in New Mexico and the youth gun them down on the youth hunt. <laughs> Right. And so on and so forth. You, you're, you're getting the picture. Right. And so this so this so 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 this hunter, this buck is coming back. It's making it's big. It's a really big buck and it's made it back to Timberline. And I can't remember if it was maybe two years. And he was we were having the discussion and it was just it was astonishing. Like how this buck is the smartest buck that's ever lived on the planet Earth. Right. This thing is he thinks like a human. He like he's like. Like he's like the the Elon Musk of deer, you know, and so catch this. You're gonna really like this, okay? He gets killed on one of the Colorado rifle hunts because someone was willing. Someone looks out in onto a patch of private land and happens to have enough money that they can walk up to the landowner and and basically pay for that deer to shoot him, okay? And I'm not, I don't have any problem with that, by the way. Like, I don't care, right? But here was the coincidental niche that kept this buck alive. When he came off those peaks, he came down through almost 100%. Now, he had to come through a little bit of public, but, but, but just a little patch, right? He lands on private land, and he spent all winter on private mm. land because they found out later that this buck stayed there all winter, mm. okay? And then all the hunting is done. And then he eases his way back up when there's no hunting, right? In the spring and early summer, and he ends up back at Timberline again. Yeah. And so he had this he had this coincidental niche that that afforded him the ability to grow old and have a big old set of headgear because, you know, he was living the dream. Like he was living a low stress life on private land, you know, great feed, which which I'm sure the nutrition there helped his antler growth and all that stuff. And it was just this coincidental niche. So when you were talking about this awesome place you found where like nobody's going to be in, that's the type of places that's really hard to find these days. But I call those coincidental niches. Like that's what, if you find those places, 
your chances to shoot a mature age class buck is good. You know, Mike, uh, hard to find them. yeah, Mike, I think Mike Duplan, man, his episode's been forever ago, but I, I, uh, I think he was, he's, he talks the same language. Right. And of course, like all you guys do, right. Like all, whether it's you or Duplan or, you know, Travis Hobbs or Robbie or Carter or whatever, like you all talk the same language. It's why I love it. Um, completely different parts of the world and different aspects and stories and stuff. But yeah, he, he, uh, I think he was the one that was like talking about these bucks that he would find in Colorado there, you know, on these like you know, fort covered in 14 er units that all these hikers are going to out of Denver or wherever or out of, you know, what are the ski towns there? I can't remember, but anyway, and he's like, I just would find these spots where no one else would look. Right. And like, it was like a quarter mile, you know, three quarters of a mile from the trailhead where there's 50 trucks parked or whatever. And, but it's just because it was in this little, like you're saying, like, you know, not private, but it was this little secluded little spot. And that's where the buck would be. David Long tells the same story. If you go back to his episode, this monster buck that they were chasing, that was just like, like they had to park at the trailhead and like hike up, you know, a quarter mile up the ridge, the opposite direction, and then look back. And he was just like right there. (laughs) Like that's where he lived, right? Like they don't need much. They just need that. They just need that little seclusion that gives them that. What What do you call it? Like, what do you call it? The uh, I just call I call I've always called them just a coincidental co- niche. Like it's a yeah. it's a coincidence it's a coincidence <clears throat> that they live their life that way and in those patterns. Yeah, and that coincidental niche just keeps them alive. You know, and and and, and so, so that that almost at at first at first thought that almost makes it sound like. Well, frick! Like if it's just coincidental, like how the heck do you find? You know, how do you supposed to? you know, find something that's just a random coincidence. Well, that's the point, right? Is you then use that to think outside the box just a little bit, you know, or, or to put yourself, you know, in that mindset as you're scouting and, 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 and just force yourself to, you know, I don't know, like some guys call it playing the opposite game, right? Where you just like, okay, what, what do I want to do? Well, I want to go here. I'm going to go to the, you know, I'm going to literally go to the opposite trailhead that I would think of because that's what everyone else is thinking too, right? Like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the 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 lucky thing, and I say I say lucky for me, and and Mike Duplan and David Long and some of those other people is is that we lived, we're old, we're old, <laughs> you know what I mean? So so we so we so we lived through times where we're finding those places. And I'm sure that those guys all fought outside the box. Like I, I feel like I did a lot of the times and it was always trying to stay ahead of the masses. I was always trying to be a couple of steps ahead of uh, as far as where I was hunting and, and, you know, trying to stay away from people because people are what kill deer. Right? If there's too much hunt pressure than that I was always trying to do that. But in our times, it was easier. Like now it's not easy because people are all over everything. Well, and I think that, that, you know, you, you listen to podcasts with, you know, Mike and some of the other guys and, and I feel their frustration and I, I know exactly, I know how they feel, you know, it's not like it used to be for sure, but we got, we definitely got to adapt and you got to, you got to keep, you know, trying to find those places, but they're definitely hard to find. How, however, let me just, let me just make sure that I, that you, you, you mean what you're saying. Do you okay. think, do you think though, do you think though that because 
you know, we, we live in a world where the information is commoditized. Everybody knows everybody's spots, so to speak, right? You, everybody can get on the same four, four different programs or whatever and find the highest rated units in each state, so to speak, or whatever. Do you think that you use that to just be, you know, it all happens faster. I'll give you that, right? Like, I can't remember, <clears throat> I think it was Carter talking, him and I were talking and he's like, you know, 20 years ago, it might take, it, it might've took five or 10 years for a spot in Colorado to blow up because nobody freaking knew, like literally nobody knew. I, some of these kids listening to this podcast, Duggar, they don't even know that the world used to exist before the internet, but it did, right? Like this is when I was like a, in high school, so to speak, but, but it like, you just didn't have the amount of information that you have. And so it did take longer for sure. But my question is like, do you still like, let me give you a, for instance, and tell me if you do this or not. Like, do you, do you, you can pull up an odd X and you can find the roadless country. That's not hard anymore. Right. And, and, and we learned this in the rubies, the hard way we used to hunt the rubies and we'd go to the one or two places. If you just put on the roadless filter and go to the, the deepest, highest point, guess what? That's within a two, three, four mile radius. That's where we were hunting. Right. And nobody, when we first started hunting it, nobody was back there. We would see one guy, the whole other, the whole 10 day hunt. Now the, well, I say now it's been, I don't even know, six or eight years, probably six or eight years ago, even when all that stuff is like, we had 17 guys in our lap, you know, because they, they're all getting on and looking at the same thing. And so, so my question is like, like, yeah, but does the technology, like, do you, is there any way that you use the technology to your advantage because you know what everyone else knows? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't. Well, so. I know so you, the, you don't all, hunt a ton of roadless country. I mean, right? No, like no, most, absolutely. <laughs> no. Like you can't. Down here, you can't. Like yeah. there's roads everywhere. Like there's literally, you know, um, there's literally natural gas and oil wells all over the place. So there's roads everywhere. So you mm-hmm. can't have anything roadless. But, but to answer your question, I, I think I can, I think I can, it, I don't, I don't use that personally. I don't use the technology to try to find those niches. I hike and I hike and find those niches and I glass and find those niches. And I, you know what I'm saying? So I, I put, I, I'm a boots on the ground guy to find those niches. I don't use the technology because <laughs> Now, now I think a lot of other people do. Let me, if you don't mind, I'll tell you, let me, let me get into a hunt story on Morgan's hunt. And this will, I think this will really tie in. This will segue good. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so I knew about this really big deer. I mean, it was big and I didn't think there was anybody that knew about it. And when, and when my buddies here, listen to this podcast, they're going to laugh. I know they're going to laugh at me, but I just, for some reason, I was like, Hey, I got, I got this niche. Like there's a niche here. And, and, you know, full honesty, I had another guy kind of, kind of lead me in the direction, you know, a few years ago, like I didn't just hike it out, but I mean, whenever he said, Hey, you should check over there. I was like, yeah, I always, I always do that. If somebody says to go do it, I do it. And then I, you know, I get out there and I'm looking at the country, right. And this country is not, it is not deer country. Like not traditionally what you would feel like is deer country. Okay. The only thing that makes it deer country is that in every arroyo, the bitter brush growing down those arroyos is unbelievable. 
and there's like one little ridge with some trees on it that has has some bitter brush on it. Okay, a royal, a royal for those of us not in that country, because there's 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 the cactus that's uh, what's the cactus? You don't mean um, choya. Choya is what I'm thinking. Okay, a royal is a right. type of right. uh, mountain configuration or a hill, right? Like, explain that real quick. No, 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 no. Arroyo, arroyo is a wash. A okay. lot of people call it a wash, right? Okay. So, but they're but out here in our country, they're really deep, and so the it's basically a drainage where the water drains, and it's just become really deep. Yeah. And so, like, you could walk to the edge of the arroyo wall, right? And you got to be careful because if the if the dirt caved in under your feet, you're you're dropping, you know, twenty five feet, you gotcha. break your leg, you know. And so, there's these big drainages or washes or arroyos. And otherwise, there's not a tree around. It's an expansive sagebrush flat, but then it just goes out into not even sagebrush. It just goes out into these just kind of flat land arroyo type stuff. And so, you know, when you when when you find a niche, I'm going to call it a coincidental niche. When you find one like that, like you're like, oh, it's on like Donkey Kong. Like, dang, gonna be they going to be nobody looking for deer out here. Uh, yeah, there, there was. <laughs> so, so me, so, so let me just make a fast, fast version of it. Um, we were going to spend, you know, most of the days trying to kill that buck, obviously. And so we get down there and, and we kind of were glassing at the base of the, the, the small teeny tiny ridge. It's got a few trees on it. I can't turn the buck up. And so I told Morgan, you know, because I can't see everything I need to see, we need to go ahead and, you know, drive up on top of that ridge and get out on that point so I can see the other side. And so as I'm driving up there, I look over to my left and I'm like, dang, I think that's some hunters right there. And so I was like, well, I told Morgan, I said, look, if that, those are hunters, like we need to turn around. I don't want to mess anybody's hunt up. We'll just come back later. Right. They're not going to kill that deer. And so, 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 so I drive out to the point there and I get out to the point where I'm trying to find a place to turn around and my phone rings and it's an outfitter, a really good one that 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 is is i i consider him a good friend of mine he's bought archery stuff from me and i I really like them a lot they're really really they're great guys and they're great hunters they're just really good at what they do they're younger guys right and so he calls me he's like jeremy stop stop i'm like what's what's going on he said you're fixing to blow a big old buck out right below you and i'm like okay uh, he's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a hundred yards below you. So I didn't even know that phones would do this, but he gets another guy on his brother on the phone. And so now I'm on, like, You're I'm on a, a conference call. call. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a conference call. I'm on a conference call. And what happened is I, I just, I drove right into a sandwich. I was the meat and they were the bread. And, and, and so, so the one brother was down, they had, they had located the buck the night before and they had spot, they had spotted the deer. So one of them was had eyes on the buck, and the other one the other one was moving in to kill it with the client. Okay, and so and and I didn't even know they were there until I had looked out and I was like, I think those are hunters. I need to turn around. Like I didn't know it was them, but I didn't know there was anybody there at all. Right. So, so I'm like, well, I'm like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, they kind of deferred to me. I'm older, and and I I know that they respect me. I respect them, right? And there's there's mutual respect there because I'm pretty good at what I do, and they're good at what they do, you know. And I said, look, I said, I think if I shut my truck off right here, I think that'd be the worst thing I could do. I'll yeah. just, I'm, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna turn around and just ease out as slow as I possibly can ease out, man, and just kind of get out of you guys' way. You know, they were there first, and you know, I got my daughter there, and and there's no deer on the on planet Earth worth being a butthead about or worth losing friendship or customers or anything over right there it doesn't matter how big it is it's just a deer in the end right 
tell so that I, tell I got, that to uh never mind we won't go <laughs> that story yeah I, I would expect the same respect if i was there first and, and yeah. do do would, would i get it i i know i would get it from them for sure would i get it from other people i don't know but but i it doesn't matter i can make the right choice especially with my daughter so i was like look i'm gonna i'm gonna ease out of here as slow as i possibly can ease out of here he goes okay he goes he goes, by the way, man, he goes, I didn't know that two track was there, <laughs> which was funny. Right? I was like, you do now. So, uh, and, and so, uh, so anyway, what had happened is, is, you know, I, I wasn't able to glass that buck. I knew that buck was there somewhere, but I was going to glass and, and had those guys not been there, we were fixing to jump a really big deer and the game was going to be a foot, right? The game was going to start. But anyway, I eased out two hours later, they sent me the photo. They killed it. It was a, it was a, it was a, a 33 inch, mm. uh, four by three uh it had it been four on both sides it would have been 200 but because it was only three on one side and was missing an eye guard on one side it ended up being like right around 190 mm, you know heck gosh. of heck of a deer but the width was just absolutely incredible i said all of that to say this i thought i had a niche a coincidental niche area because it just didn't look like deer country but these guys are good and so and so in today's day and age even as ugly as that country was, and even as niche as it was, it was like, there's no way anybody's going to be hunting a buck out here. Those guys have been chasing that buck for three or four years, Dustin. <laughs> and I didn't even know it, right? And so I, my, my dad and I had chased, uh, and, and my nephew Andrew and one of my buddies had chased a, a nice big buck on the last day of his muzzleloader hunt in the same area. It wasn't the same buck, but we knew that buck was there last year as well. But heck, they had more history than that. And so, you know, they had that coincidental niche and they, they were pretty confident. I, I thought I had the coincidental niche and I was ready to rock and roll, but we were both there at the same time. Right. Just, it just, we collided. And, uh, and so anyway, heck of a deer, like just a great buck. But, but my point with all that is, is it's very difficult, even in places like that, you would think no, nobody would be smart enough really to check those areas. They're checking them. They're on them. You know what I mean? So so, 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 but, but still that doesn't stop me from, from working my butt off and, and shrinking country and, ch and trying to find that buck in that niche area. And so do you mind if I continue and finish the buck yeah. that she killed? This will also, this will also, um, it's in the same category. It'll, it's, it's talking about the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So please this other, this other buck had seven inch eye guards, the, the, the biggest eye guards I've ever seen, seen on a deer. It was just absolutely incredible. And, and again, I'm not going to take full credit for finding the deer initially. My, one of my buddies did one of the guys that can track like unbelievable. So, um, but he said, Hey, you should go see if you can find this buck. And anyway, we had turned him up and that's the buck that ended up going over the roller that she missed. So when he got there, my buddy, he's like, he's starting to work out the track and this, he's just unbelievable tracker. It's just sandy dust. And like, there's, it hasn't rained or anything. It's just sand. And uh, by the way, these other outfitters that kill these big deer, they're some of those guys that can track. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But, but uh, so, so, so my, my friend starts tr tracking the deer and he starts working it out and it goes through this little saddle and it kind of heads, heads back west and north. And, um, and he has to go to work, but he's like, so, I, so we're, we're kind of up on a high spot by that saddle talking and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving him, I'm, I'm kind of ribbing him. I'm like, are you sure that's the buck, man? Cause I mean, come on. Like there's deer tracks all over down there. I know there are. He's like, I, yes, Jeremy, that's the buck. I'm like, come on now. He's like, he's like, hey, don't come at me anymore, man. I, it's the buck. I'm telling you, it's the buck. He went right through that saddle. He said he jacked around after he bedded. He got back up that night, bedded a couple more times. 
fed on all that bitter brush down there and then just walked right through this saddle. And he said it just kind of went down north Jeez. and west. I'm like, all just, right, cool. Just to be able to pick, you know, re repaint that picture. Sort of. Dude, that's crazy. To sort that out was it's it was pretty <clears throat> incredible. But anyway, and so I was like, okay, cool. So there were some other things going on. My nephew had a tag and, and my brother was my with my nephew and they were doing so they were they were they had their own stuff going on. They were trying to kill a buck and whatever. So I told Morgan, I said, let's just I said, we don't need there's no way we're gonna kill that buck if we track it. Like what we need to do is just get out front of it. So um, you know, there to the northwest, there's a little elevated point kind of high above those rollers. So we just need to drive over there. We'll get out of the vehicle right there and we'll just try to find him in there. And so we go over there. And, and Dustin, this road is like one of the mainest, sandest, sandiest, maintained oil and gas roads in the whole unit, in the whole country, okay? There's like, there's like semi, wa there's water trucks pulling water off of a well right there. And they're going by every three or four or five minutes. There's a big old water truck, just loud and driving through there, right? So, so me and Morgan, we get to that higher spot and, and we, we, parked the truck and we walked to the edge and the edge was only like 40 yards from that maintained road. And that buck jumped up. He was laying right under that main road. And so I said, so I told her, shoot him. And, uh, she shot him and there were some other things that happened. I had to, I had to pull a, an awesome track job of myself. She didn't hit him great, but I tracked him for, I tracked him for some hours. We ended up killing him. Well, we walk up on him. It was the wrong, it wasn't the right buck. Mm. <laughs> so a couple of cool things though a couple of cool things where that buck laid unbelievable like yeah. you would never you would never in a million years glass right there because you would be glassing water like if you got on the other side of him and you glassed down to where he was laying you would have water trucks every four to five minutes in your binoculars that would appear to be right on top of him okay and he was just laying in a little shady arroyo right there, dude, right off that main road. Oh my gosh. Niche. Like a he like it was just like I don't think he did it on purpose. He was feeding on bitter brush and whatever there. And like he just, you know, maybe he maybe he had laid there a bunch, right? But but it was a very niche location. Like if that buck lived there and spent most of his time there, he would never die. He would never get yep. killed. It was just kind of a happy accident that we walked out now. What the cool one of the cooler things is it was still a nice buck and we were tickled. It was really cool. But the big eye guard buck that would have scored way more and was way bigger got away. They were both high, narrow bucks. It was a quick shot. You know, there was there's no reason in that unit for there to be another buck there. The deer density is too low, right? And so I just made a, a snap decision and she shot it. She was tickled. Like it was a really nice mature buck. But what was cool about it. So, so number one, that little place where it was bedded, you would never glass it ever. Yeah. So that's cool. That was a little niche area. But the other thing is the buck that she ended up killing. I walked up on, I was like, I know what buck that is. I had filmed that buck in September right after it shed velvet. And it, and it was about three miles. It was about three miles to the east of where she killed it that I, that I, that I filmed it. So is that far, is that far you think for bucks down there or not at all? No, no. So what was going on was there was just really one, one or two really big ponds, water sources. Mm. And it was really cool because what those bucks were doing. And I, I, I figured this out after the fact. And I also talked to my buddy that's really, really good down there. And like, you know, we, we had a discussion about it. He's like, oh yeah, that's what they do. But there's so much good feed there to the West. They make this little loop, like they'll, they'll loop through. 
and they'll uh, and they'll feed on all that good bitter brush and stuff and all the, those rollers and everything. And it's really fairly flat country, so nobody ever sees them. They lay right by the dang main road, like nobody thinks to look there. Nothing, right? And then they work their way back about every two or three or three or four days to that water. So they'll make this little loop where they'll 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 be feeding, then they'll go back to the water and they'll get yeah. they'll fill up on water. And then they'll kind of cruise around and they'll feed back to the good feed and then they'll loop back around and they'll go back to the water. And so three miles, you know, it feels like a long ways. And I was like, man, why was this buck over here? But but after thinking about it, yeah, no, it's not very far. Yeah. Not really. So so ended up, we ended up killing a buck I videotaped. But we cool. thought it was it was the wrong buck. <laughs> so, 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 but it was, but it was a blast. How it was a blast. How my buddy worked that out in the sand and worked that track out. Now, that other buck, he was in there somewhere, but uh, I don't know where for sure. Mm. Yeah. So, speaking of of that, uh, meaning you know, f- seeing that buck earlier in the year and stuff, I've asked uh, you know a handful of those other elite elite mule deer hunters the same question, and I I. I kind of expect to get a different answer from you, but it'll be the same and I'll explain here. So how many, how many of the, the question I asked those other guys is how many of the big or mature bucks, like we're talking, you know, five and a half, whatever you would consider an old mature buck, five and a half, right. Where they, they hit that next level and, and, or just flat out big, you know, 180 plus or whatever. How much, how many of those bucks that you, and this is how I asked those other guys, how many of those bucks that, that you've killed, did you either and comma or relatively early season? I know a lot of the stuff you guys do down there is a little bit later. Um, so maybe like your archery hunts and stuff like that, or early muzzleloader or whatever you guys have down there, but how many of those bucks that you've killed like that, did you know about ahead of time? Right. And the only thing, all all of them. Yeah. And and the, and the only thing that that I'm going to change a little bit to you, because I know how it is down there is how many did you or someone that, you know, one of your couple close buddies down there know about before you guys had killed them. Like just flat out all of them, you think? Flat out all of them. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. And it, and it's it's yeah. different. So, so, I so, I I know it's different than like finding them up here in the, you know, the high country of Wyoming, right? Than the way you guys hunt them down there. But still like even down there where you're you're tracking a buck, it's not like you just you rarely show up and just find a deer that's big. Correct. It's crazy, correct. right? Like Correct. Correct. And that's and that goes back to the it's very hard to find those niches in our country like the one that you think you found like hang on to that don't tell a soul yeah. um you know just you know me I mean? and the horse like somebody <laughs> just you and the horse man because yeah those are in in my country down here those are hard to find and they're really hard to have to yourself a lot a lot of what kills them is the you know oil and gas workers the, those big bucks you know one day of the year will make a mistake and right you know run run across the road and somebody will see them and then you know the gig's up you know those <laughs> guys will call call outfitters or they'll try to come tell me or whoever, right. Whoever they think is cool. They'll, they'll try to share that information. And that's what gets a lot of them killed. If our, if our country had no oil and gas roads, it'd be a whole different story. And and it would be pretty dang awesome. We would all be broke. <laughs> we would have no money, but I mean, you know, the deer hunting would be pretty cool, but, but yeah, no, we know about all of them. 2019, you know, we've, we've had podcasts with you when Mark 
Mark and I and, and Wes Warner killed those big deer. Um, do, do, you know, if you'll remember the one Mark killed, we were dumb. We like, we thought it was sm smaller than it was and it was just ridiculously stupid, but we yeah. knew that, you know, we'd seen that buck three or four times prior to the hunt, different, different yeah. of us. And then, you know, we, we didn't even, he didn't even climb up on that Mesa and kill it till the third day. And then my buck, we had trail cam picture, pictures of it. And the buck Wes killed, you know, the, the same buddy that's a heck of a tracker was helping them out and, and he knew the buck. And so, you know, all of these bucks that we've killed in this unit, yeah, we've known about all of them. The outfitter that's really good that, that I kind of collided with that morning, those guys know about. You know, I'll, I don't think, I don't know that they ever kill a deer they don't know about. Like, yeah. I would have to talk to him and ask him, but I mean, it's a very rare thing. And and so the the last part of that um, that I wanted to tie in was, you know, you mentioned that like, hey, my, you know, my friend just offered up this buck. Like, hey, I know of this buck in this area or whatever. And I, I just want to illustrate, I mean, well, give, give your answer and I'm sure it'll explain it. Why? Why is he willing to just offer up a buck to you? Because he's the most awesome human human on the planet. There's, <laughs> well, there's, a, couple, there's, a, there's a couple. There's, there's a couple, more actually, than that. There's two, yeah, there's two parts of it. There's two parts of it. Number number one, he's an awesome human. He really is. Like he's one of my best friends, and, and him and I are like big buck, big mule deer kindred spirits. Like we like. I don't know how to even explain it any better than that. But number two, it's so hard to draw tags that, that these guys that love big bucks, they want to be a part of killing big bucks, even if they can't pull the trigger themselves. Yeah. And so they'll like, he latches onto me and I latch onto him because I mean, I just love him. He's just like, he's so good at it. And I feel like I'm really good at it. And we have a lot to offer each other. Right. Neither one of us would probably share that with anybody else other than my family. Right. So he's not out there just giving it away to everybody. He's going to, he's, he's going to, he's, he wants to be a part of putting big deer on the ground because he can't draw tags himself. I think that's a yeah. big part of it. Well, yeah. and, and what I was hoping you'd say, and maybe you meant to say this or whatever, but I'm sure that you've, you've probably offered up a buck or two to him. Am I right? I would. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would. We, I share like, so he'll guide, he does a little bit of guiding and is, you know, I'll be out there and, and like I'll see some elk or whatever, and he'll have a client. And he'll he'll text me, hey, where should I where should I go elk and where are you seeing elk? And I'm I'm all I'm totally open to it. So it's very yep. reciprocal. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you, I'm if, not that way with hardly anybody. Right. And I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a friend, be a friend, though. You know that's the there that's the principle. But that's the principle. Yep. Hmm. Crazy man. Oh. Um. I'm just going through some of my notes today. I I think we talked about most of it, man. Um. How was uh how was Muley Slayer? I need to get him on. How was you guys? Yeah, uh, yeah, we had a we had a we had a good time. So so I don't know if you've seen, but my nephew, uh, my brother's boy, he's got he's starting to put some some content up on YouTube. Uh, and, uh may, oh, on if, on if you YouTube, not Instagram. Yeah, on YouTube, like videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you mind if I give him a plug? Oh, please. Yeah. So so Garrett Duggar, my nephew, he's got he's got a uh, Lucky Ridge Outdoors. And so he's he's starting to film some of these hunts and some of these adventures we're going on, and uh, so 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 he's you can look at some of it on 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 YouTube, and and just keep in mind that when you watch them, like some of those family hunts, you know we we put the wall tent up, we got you know I got my dad there, and I got we got you know my dad's great great grandson there, my my brother's boy's son, right? We have 
we have this dynamic sometimes in camp. You'll watch those videos and then you listen to me talk on a podcast and you'll watch the video and go, well, he's not doing anything he said he does <laughs> like on the podcast. Well, that's because it's a different dynamic when my dad's 74 years old. We got to take some naps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like I can't push I can't push him like I can push like me and Mark Smith with Hunter, Omni <laughs> yeah. Warner and Wes Warner and my other buddy, right? Um, so, so, uh, so it's a different dynamic. So someone might watch. I just want to give them the heads up like, hey, don't. You know, I do what I say I do, just like when the dynamic's different, I don't. Yeah. And so, but but anyway, I wanted to give him that plug. But the reason I said that is because I got that new video camera, and this was just, I'm just going to say this to make you laugh, basically. So, so I told my nephew, hey, I'll film some stuff with me and Mark, and he'll probably put a, a YouTube video up of me and Mark hunting in Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to happen. And so when Mark shot that buck, I didn't, I didn't push the record button. <laughs> and so, like, ah. I'm hey, I'm not I am not a videographer. I think that's the second time I've tried to film Mark shoot at something and I didn't push the record button. I just I have like you know how people have target panic with a bow? I got record button panic. <laughs> I just can't seem to push the button, man. You so, just need to get at least get a GoPro and just let it play all day, you know, like yeah, so, <laughs> so you get yeah, something. something. <laughs> yeah, something. So I, I guess that's just a segue. I'll talk about me and Mark's head a little bit if you want me to. Um, yeah. I, I, he, he killed that buck and it was, you know, it was, it was a nice buck, nothing, nothing big, but just nice solid buck. Right. But, but definitely. So, so anyway, if you watch it, if he happens to put the YouTube video up, we filmed a lot of migration, which was really cool. I, uh, he filmed me killing a coyote, which was as good as good for me as shooting a 200 inch buck because that, that little trail that we, that we set, we've actually watched coyotes kill fawns. And the ones that we've seen them, you know, kill have been too far for us to shoot, like eight or 900 yards. But this year there was a, a, a doe and a fawn, and right behind her, a doe and two fawns. So there's two does and three fawns coming down the trail, and there's these two coyotes coming down the road to hunt them. And I smoked one of them suckers, dude. <laughs> like, I dropped 380 yards off shooting sticks. I, with my with my Weatherby, I just put it on his shoulder and just dumped it. <laughs> and that, that other one ran for cover, so... I know, I know that killing one coyote doesn't mean a hill of beans. I get that. I understand that, but it sure made me feel good because they were, they were fixing to hunt down some fawns, right? Yep. So we got that on video. That was cool. We saw a lot of, um, I don't know what the number was total, but it had to have been, we only hunted four days because I had to come back to New Mexico for, for Morgan, my daughter's hunt, but we had to have seen a total of in four days, a couple hundred deer. And on, this was just on one migration route, just one and probably I don't know, 50 bucks or 50 or 60 bucks. I don't know what the count would be. If I feel like we saw 14 or 15 a day, so 45 bucks or whatever. But I'm I'm telling you, Dustin, I don't want, I don't really want to talk about anything political where mule deer is concerned, but I know that what Colorado has been trying to do, uh, knock back the age class of the bucks. I can tell you where we hunt in Southern Colorado, they've done a really, really good job. It's working. (laughs) Holy cow, dude. I could not like, like I didn't even get a tingle in my in my trigger finger like for four days. It was kind of sad actually. And and Mark would tell you the same thing. Like he shot the biggest buck we saw, and and it was just man, they've knocked back the age class in Colorado. It's kind of man, wow, yeah, it's wow. Yeah. Well, it was bad. You know, you, you just you can't eat your cake and have it too for too long. You know, and it's just been years now of of that and 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 yet you still you know colorado is still the place i feel like you know like like a little bit like wyoming and like you know maybe idaho or whatever where you know luckily the country's big enough that bucks can still 
hide, you know, you told that story of that one, whether it's on private or just their little coincidental niche or whatever, but, but yeah, it, that, 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 even that plays out eventually, you know, I mean, yep. I, I, that, that being said, I've never really committed and hunted any of those rifle, uh, Colorado tags, but I'm, I would like to, I've got, I've got, you know, the couple few points that you need to get some of those second, maybe a third season tag, whatever. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how we used to hunt growing up, you know, more, more so of like the deer migrating in, you know, it's kind of how that hunt was when I was down there with you in New Mexico, like, you know, what's going to show up today, you know, and, and we haven't seen that deer before. And, 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 and back to my question that I asked you, I, I don't believe that's the way to consistently kill big bucks, Duggar, right? It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got lucky when I did it in Colorado on that color, on that muzzleloader hunt. Um, but it was luck. It was pure, you know, and I get it like, yeah, you got to be there and you put a lot of time in the mountain and I get that. But like the actual act of finding and killing that specific deer, pure luck. Like just, he just was on the wrong hill, the wrong second of the wrong day, you know, and just dumped, <laughs> yeah. and dumped him. We, we had never, we'd never even been in there before, let alone seen that buck or whatever. But, um, yeah, there, there's still, there's still an excitement, uh, to those migrate migration hunts where just like you're saying, seeing that many deer and they're moving through and, but, um, yeah, frick, man, I, I don't know, like, you know, is it ever going to end down there? And I I don't know. It's really hard to take that away from guys once they have it. Right. Like, I, I don't know. What, yeah. do you, what do you think? I don't know what they're like. I'm, I should keep up better on what's going on. I, I, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Robbie Denning stuff and I, man, I really like listening to him. Yeah. He's really up on all that stuff as far as what might be coming down the pipe or whatever. Right? I think but I, I don't know if they're, if, if we're in, in the year now where they're fixing to you know, reset another, another five years of rules and they're going to move the hunts earlier again. 20, what might 24. So, so 20 through, through next year dates are set still. Uh, that was their, whatever they call it, four or five year structure plan from, yeah, from correct, 20. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they will be, I'm sure they'll go through a whole restructuring, uh, for 25 through 30 or whatever we're calling it. God, that's crazy, Duggar. Like we're yeah. almost a year 30, 2030. Like what the freak, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's so weird. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if there's any plans to, 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 to let off the gas pedal and move those hunts back earlier again, or if they're just going to keep on whacking them like they have, because because of the CWD or whatever, whatever you know, my, is, yeah. my understanding, cause I talked to, they, we had, a, we had to mandatory check in our heads down here mm-hmm. a couple of years ago for CWD. And, and so whenever, whenever we checked our heads in, you know, step one for me, I'm, I'm very inquisitive. So step one was like, have you ever, have we had a case of CWD down here? And they told me no. And the units that we hunt there, there had not been a, a verified case of CWD. Mm. And then, and then they told, they told what they told me, and maybe I'm totally wrong and maybe they don't know what they're talking about, but they just were worried that mature bucks were going to go from doe, doe group to doe group and spread CWD. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you kill a five and a half year old buck, isn't a four and a half year old bug going to do the same thing? <laughs> Somebody's breeding them. It's almost like, to me, it's, to me, it's almost like, Hey, let's, you know, go and cut off Jeremy's right leg in case he gets bone cancer later on. We don't have to worry about it. You know? but <laughs> Seriously. I don't know, you know, that kind of pre- preventative type of way of thinking is kind of weird to me. And um, I've had really some in-depth discussion, well, a in-depth discussion with the the hickory biologist, Kyle Tater and what a smart guy that guy is. And, you know, I kind of got his two cents worth and he said, yeah, no, we wouldn't, we would never do that. 
We well, wouldn't shoot mature bucks. We would we wouldn't decimate our mature bucks to to just in case. You know what I mean? So well, I, so I, I feel like that was why they moved the hunts late. And if somebody, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't think I'm dumb, but I just that's the way they kind of explained it to me. And and I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird. The like, only the only other explanation or answer, I guess, that I've heard is. You know they they uh, learn quote unquote learn their lesson during the the hard winter of what was that oh when did they have a hard winter down there Duggar oh seven or eight or something my memory ain't good enough to remember anyway whenever that was and it was I'm sure it was oh eight oh nine or whatever it was right there and and they they started using the term like we're not gonna stockpile bucks anymore because. Right. Mother nature's going to come through and, and have her vengeance every, you know, five to 10 years anyway. And then all those bucks are wasted. And so, man, they just, you know, and, and back to where we started, right. With like everybody's, everybody's objectives, so to speak, or everybody's goal or what they want to get out of hunting is most of them are not where we're at. Right. Like I'm with you, right. Frick, man. Like I will, I'll almost go, you know, if it takes me 10 years in each state to draw, I'm fine because I'm applying for seven of the, you know, 10 Western states. And so I'll still have a buck tag, you know, every two to three years or whatever, but, but they, they don't see it that way. And so mother nature comes through and they rip, you know, all these bucks end up dying and nobody got to shoot them and they didn't get revenue from them or whatever. And they're like, well, the freaking screw that, like, you know, and then it's, then it's gangbusters and, and then, then it makes it easy. They don't care, right? And it's like, oh yeah, sure, we'll just hunt them in November too. Like we don't care, right? Like, you know, yeah. the the Colorado's so robust with with uh, feed and and habitat that they they're still gonna pump out deer every year for the most part, you know, because they're just too good of country and stuff. Um, but they're just they're just not letting them get big. But yeah, they're not for sure. For sure, if that if if that was indeed the goal, they've done a great job. I, I saw that for sure. And, and you know, it's not a lack. It definitely does, and it's not a lack of deer. I mean, we saw a lot of deer, right, right. And, and we saw we saw a lot of one and a half and two and a half year old bucks. That's what we saw. Yeah. Ten years, ten years ago, on that same migration trail, ten years ago, we were shooting four and a half and five and a half year old bucks. I killed three of them on that migration trail. You know, hunting it six or seven times, and I, I'm more picky now than I've ever been. So. Uh, it almost gives me a jolly to it's almost uh, it almost gives me a jolly now to not punch a tag like i'm almost like it went from like i couldn't live like I, they had to put me on suicide watch if i didn't punch a tag when i was young and then it went to like i think i'm i think i'm okay with it but then the last day would come like i'm not okay with it and then, and then, and then, and then it got to i'm okay with it now it's like i hope i don't punch my tag because if i do i know it's going to be really really big and if it's not that's okay it's why we're such good friends because you literally (laughs) witnessed me make that transition in life on my that new mexico tag where i was you i was trying to be that guy and then the last day i just couldn't not do it and and ever since then basically ever since then i'm like i'm good like i you know it's been years now well that colorado tag but but collectively five six seven tags or whatever and and mm-hmm. I'm good, you know. I even went down to Colorado a, co- a couple years ago, and a, a way better unit, like took massive amount of points. But I stole it on the the returns, and I went down and hunted a couple. One particularly big deer didn't kill him. Uh, looked over a bunch of other just you know good solid bucks, but like I I came home because I couldn't kill that big one, and like I was good. I was like, dude, that was like, I could do that every year, right? Like playing that game mm-hmm. and just 
just being in it. And so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, so, so you would say that, that you would say that your New Mexico hunt when you were down that, down here that year, that was your tipping dude, point. Dude, that was my tipping point. Cause that, that deer was so, he had no business being shot by me. Like, and, and, and I, I, I've, Duggar, I thought back and, and reflected and wrestled with that decision to shoot him so many times of, of, of really deep diving into why, why did I do that? Right. Cause like I hadn't killed a lot of big bucks and I still haven't, but I'd killed bucks. I'd killed plenty of bucks. Right. I, I mean, I grew up in Nevada and like we had quite a pretty good deer hunting and like I had killed my fair share of deer, right. Even with a bow and plenty with a rifle. And so that was like one of the smallest deer I've ever killed. Right. And I'm like, why, why did I do that? It was like, it, it overtook me in the moment. And I just could and I realized like, here's a couple of reasons, right? Fear of what other people would think of me, right? Like for some reason, the value of, of like punching the tag was more important of what people would think of me than like, if I didn't, even if it was a tiny buck, um, you know, and that's basically it, right? Like really, like, you know, I just, I just got to that, that point in my, in my head, I realized like, I literally just shot that deer because I was, you know, I was worried about what others would think. And I was putting, I was, I, I, I don't know, like, and it just, it finally just hit me like, actually, why am I doing this? Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, like really, like, why am I out here doing it? Is it so that I can post a picture on Instagram? Is it so that I can be popular and get, you know, likes from people? Is it so that, you know, I can say that to my buddies that I killed the deer this year? I'm like, those are all stupid reasons. <laughs> For sure. Those are all stupid reasons, <laughs> you know, cause it, cause yeah. it, and if it's something that I wanted and those things happen to be there, then fine. But it wasn't right. It was like something I didn't want and it was for the wrong reasons. And I'm like, this is not who I want to be. And this is not what I am. And like, that didn't make me happy. And, you know, and, and I'm going to probably a little too dramatically deep about the thing, but like, you know, on, on the surface though, it was just like, you know, I'm a better hunter than that. Like I'm okay. No, you know, being at peace with, with, with what quality of hunter you are too, frankly, you know, since then I've learned, like, let me put it another way. Like, man, when you, when you, Duggar, when you're that guy and then you finally actually pass on something, right? You've got a buck in your sights He's a buck that you would have normally killed most other years leading up to that. And then you just don't. And you know, in your heart that that deer was dead, right? That it all of a sudden it just liberates you, right? Like you're, you're completely like, holy cow. Like I, I can do it right. Or or whatever term you want to use. And so it just like, and all of a sudden that just, it just, it just was, I was over it. Like I was like, you know, and then I. I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near where you're at, but I'm not where I used to be, you know, and I'm, I pass deer all the time now. Tell my wife, I'm like, Jen, I'm, I'm hundred percent confident I could go out and kill 170 inch deer on just about every decent mule deer tag that I've ever had. Right. Like, yep. and I, and I just don't because I'm, I'm good. Like I'm good. I don't have to explain myself to anybody. I don't question how good of a hunter I am, how good of a shot, how, whatever. Right. Like I can go get it done. You know, and if I don't, great. You know, I, I, if, if that was the, if, if those were the rules, I wouldn't have shot anything on that New Mexico hunt. And that would have been fine too. Like, 
that's what I earned, right? Like it, it was a tough, that was a tough hunt and I didn't, I didn't play it right. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. a lot of, a lot of blabber in there, but. No, that's all great stuff. Dustin. I agree with all that. And the, th- the thing is the truth be known, like, you know, you worrying about what someone else, you know, thinks like most people outside your circle, like maybe, maybe it was, Hey, people within my circle are going to think less of me, but people outside that circle, they, I think that a lot of them that aren't really strictly after the meat and that have shot a lot of animals. And I'm not talking about people that have no experience. I say, go get experience, go have fun with your family, go shoot bucks. I'm good with that. But the people that are, that have elevated to a point where they've shot a lot of game. Like, I think that a lot of people, a lot of those people are hitting to a point where they would be almost not envious, but they would be proud to say, hey, you know, I know Dustin Winter, he passed up bucks. And then there's also a lot of people that are like, I'm glad Dustin passed up bucks. That's more for me. <laughs> and, and it's like, like, and that's all they think about it, right? There's no other thought about it, really. And, and, and besides number three, for me, would be I don't really care what they think. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? right. I'm 52 years old, and I, I, got, I got done caring what people thought about six or seven years <laughs> yeah. ago. It took me a long time in my life to to keep to get over that. I'll have to admit, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like I, a lot of my life, I, it mattered to me what someone thought about me. But now I, it doesn't matter to yeah. me one, one bit. It only matters to me that I, I don't ever want to walk up on a buck ever, ever, and wish I didn't hadn't shot him. It's I don't the want worst. that feeling ever. It's ever, the worst. Ever. Yep, it is the yep. absolute literal worst. It's like, oh man. Yeah. Yep, that was that was. I mean, to a T. That's the feeling right in my gut, down in my soul. Like when I walked up on that buck, I just went, "Oh my gosh, I want to throw up!" Like, what did I do? And yeah, you know the the irony, yeah. the irony, and we won't get, we don't need to go into this any further. But like, this is it's where the it's where the general hunting industry, quote unquote, is is has taken it right because. You know, it's, it's now, it's not just, it's more than just like, oh, you're, you know, you were successful and you're a good hunter. You killed the buck, but it's like, you're entitled to shoot a buck on every single tag. Right. And like, and, and our, I don't know, like, like this whole, you know, everybody's pushing their agenda of, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't kill a mature buck. Like, that's not the point. The point is like, you have a right to be out there killing something and, and and that is fine on an individual level, but if the whole entire community starts having that mentality, then you, you get, what you get is you get some of these, you know, these dog fights in Utah right now where they're like, you know, we want, you know, we, we want bigger bucks. They, they don't even care about bigger bucks. They just want bucks. Everybody wants their buck because they all expect to go a hundred percent. Right. And, and then you take the muzzle, the scopes off their muzzle loaders and they panic. Right. And they're like, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of statistics and stuff that, that, you know, that, that's a whole can of worms or whatever, but, but it just, it, it's where the industry in general is going is everybody's preaching because frankly, Duggar, like, like a lot of the industry people, they need, you know, the killing for content, right? Like their, their objective is to sell product. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, and, and if, if it's, I don't care if it's, you know, a boot company or your bows that you carry in your shop, like, you know, they, they put up a big, um, you know, sizzle reel at the beginning of their, when they launch a new bow and guess what? Like they want all the dudes that rep their stuff out there, 
behind a big buck or a big bull or, or a buck or a bull. Sorry. They don't yeah. really care how big it is. Right. Because the, in the world doesn't, you know, the general public doesn't care. And, you know, and so frankly, they just like, Hey, you like, if you, if you're repping a bow and you're not killing stuff consistently, like how long is that going to last? Right. Right. Their agenda is to sell stuff, period. And, and, and passing on deer doesn't sell, doesn't sell bows. I don't no. think, right. In general to the, it would to I me, agree. right. It would to me, I guess. But like, um, anyway, it's yeah. just, it's, it's so funny again, how many different people want different things out of the resource. Yeah. And, and that one that you just talked about right there, that one, I won't lie. And I, I might hurt feelings when I say this, but that one bums me out the most. I don't have any problem with families going out shooting fork and horns and eating them and having a great time. There's a lot of, there's a big segment of people that, that I know that come in my shop that, that are not, you know, out there filling every tag they have because of, they have to, because of sponsorships or selling product or advertisement or anything like that. Right. They, they're just out there. They like to do it. Yeah. And there's, and then you, and then you have the segment of people like us that, that are that are you know truly trophy hunters and it's like i tell everybody dustin like why why would you make me why would you make me choose meat or antlers like i want can i have both yeah i mean like why like can i have both of them it's like yeah you're just after the horns no i'm not i'm after the meat too but i want the horns too like i'm i'm like hey can eat it too guy like i don't i'm not one of those guys that goes at the end of at the end of the season, make excuses. Oh, I just love to be out there and camp. No, I camp anytime. Yeah. I'm out there. To, I'm out there to try to shoot a big deer, right? I, so I, I won't concede either point. Right. But so there's segment there's segments of people like us, and then and then you have you know the guys that you talked about that are out there for Instagram. You know, shoot and and by the way, you can never accuse me of shooting one for Instagram. I've eaten what two or three tags in a row now. <laughs> yeah. Like I have, I haven't even come close to even wanting to shoot a deer on yeah. the last couple of hunts I've been on. Matter of fact, Mark looked over at me in the middle of that Colorado hunt. We had kind of a little good laugh about it, but he looked over at me and he's he knew I was heading this way and I've been this way for a while. But you know, there's more tipping points than just the one that you hit. There's, there's more than that. And, you know, he's, he recognized in me a tipping point. And he's like, he looks over at me and he goes, you're not going to ever shoot a deer ever again in your life, are you? <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of laugh. We laugh like me and you're laughing right now. And I'm like, I said, Mark, there's a good chance that you're right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I bet I said, look, if we're hunting a migration next year and a big old frame buck comes by and I think it, it might be really big and I'm going to be, I'm not going to be disappointed if I walk down, you know, I might shoot one on a migration trail in Colorado. I might do that. But if I have any chance to look at them whatsoever, like on any New Mexico tag I draw or any tag I draw down here, and I have a, I've scouted them and I know how big they are, or I've got a good look at them, there's a good chance I won't ever shoot a buck ever again in my life. Like the stuff I'm after is, you know, I want 220 inch plus bucks. I mean, I want. There's it, the other thing too, Dustin, is when you walk up on those, like the people that have that have that have been blessed to do that, it's like nothing. There's nothing you can't shoot any other buck, mule deer buck that gives you that 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 yeah. shock and honor, that feeling of holy crap. And I think you guys did it right with one of Jason's bucks, and he shot one over two twenty, two twenty, and that feeling, that something. feeling, right? Yeah, when you walk up on it and you're like, it's such the opposite of ground shrinkage. It's just like what you. It's like what is that? Yeah. Like 
holy crap surreal. like just the volume yeah surreal it's like the volume and the mass and the so after you've made this journey in hunting where you've shot a lot of deer in your life right and then you've come to this point where you've experienced that a few times it's like crack cocaine you just can't do anything about <laughs> that you know what i mean yep it really it it's, really is it's why it really it, is. it's why carter uh he had that buck in colorado years ago where he, it was like he spotted it from a road and so he's just He's like sitting there watching this buck, you know, like a Colorado tag or something, second, third season, whatever. And he's like raking a tree or eating a bush or whatever the heck the buck was doing. And he's like, I sat and watched that thing for like 20 minutes or some absurd amount of time. And the buck went like 195 inches or something, 198 inches or something. Like it was a monster. But from a guy who's tipped over, I mean, what is he? He's killed like a literal 280 or something like that, right? Like, <laughs> like he. it's why, you know, none of us in our right mind, even me or you or anybody probably would have like just that deer would have been dead 15 minutes ago. But he's at even another level than some of us. And like, you know, it's why that happens, right? Like, like you're saying, he's just and and he finally killed it because I think just reality set in a little bit. But like. Mm-hmm. anyway yeah I, I know i know the story you're talking about and that it made me laugh when i when he first told that and by the way i'm pretty sure that buck went over 200 over 200 sure. yeah 205 I'm or something. Sure. Yeah. i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure he said it was over 200 and yeah. I, i'm pretty sure that you know he had another hunter another another atv or, or vehicle coming, coming up the road he's like, he's like man i'd be pretty sad if they shot that buck right in front of me now so i better shoot it right because will i will i see a bigger one in colorado probably not probably not so so well, so, so yeah, I mean, but, but the, but the fact of the matter is, is like, he knows, like he's walked up on those extra special yeah. subspecies of a mule deer called a 220 inch plus <laughs> buck. And it's like, once you, once you experience that, and especially if you've done it, like I've, I've been blessed to do it like three or four times. And it's like, it's just like, it, it's not, you can't even explain it like to people really like what that does to you. And just the maturity level and the body size and the hoof size and the, and just the, the way they look, man, the hard antlers and the mass and the neck size and all that stuff. Right. It's just like, man, that's so, like not a builder. That's another subspecies of a builder. Yeah, freaking alien. You know? So yeah. here, here's my last question. Where does age play into that? Because at some point, right, like, like not just with the state of where mule deer hunting is in general, which I think is down, right? Like you, you said in Colorado and New Mexico and Wyoming and, and everywhere, it seems to be down in general, but like at, at what point, or is there a point where, you know, we talk about like watching those bucks do those crazy things that they do and the, the coincidental secret spots and stuff like at what point Duggar is like, if you know that a buck is nine and a half years old maybe you've watched him for five years and just couldn't kill him or but then he regresses and he's 173 inch you know you know the buck i'm talking about just all you know heavy but deformed and stunted and all the like at what point or is there a point where that matters as much or more than the number that does matter Okay. So, so that does matter. So to me, to me, it matters. You, so couple, and, couple, you, couple, you and I'm going to tee up cause you posted a picture just the other day, like two days ago of a buck that did, I don't, I doubt the buck goes 180. He's probably 175. Probably. I don't know. And you're like, dude, of all the deer, like, this is like probably the most memorable, like maybe that's that story. I don't know. 
Yeah, but did you see how young I was? <laughs> no, I didn't. I see <laughs> you. Know, I, I bet, just I, I looked I at weighed, that and I, just. I bet I weighed 165 pounds in that picture. <laughs> well, I'm I, like 220 now. <laughs> you don't look any different to me, bro. Like I just thought that was a couple years ago. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was that was a substantially long time ago. <laughs> now that the the experience on that was flipping incredible. It was really awesome. It was, it was the, the quick story is everybody else had been back to the truck and I was just like soaking it up. And I looked down off this rim and there's this tree whipping, like this tree was just whipping. And I, like this buck was just bending it. I couldn't see the buck. I could just see the top of the tree and it was just in this little fold. And he was just like, just kicking the tar out of that big, it was a big old tree. And it was just bending over. He was raking his antlers. Like I, that's obviously not a fork and horn buck. And so <laughs> I snuck down, I snuck down there. I snuck down there and I got to that fold and I knew that buck was in there somewhere because I got there pretty quick. You know what I mean? You've done that probably at Timberline where you, sometimes you got to move fast and you get oh. right in there. And you know, you know, right? There's a time to move fast, time oh. to move slow. Like the train, the train let me move fast. You know, when I, when I killed that muzzleloader buck that I was talking about in Colorado, Duggar, it there was there happened to be a little sheep trail or whatever you want to call it on the backside of the finger, and I only had to go maybe seven hundred yards. I was just like sprinting, right? Like I knew, I knew like backside of that ridge, he wasn't going to see me and I had to move now. <laughs> like I was running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, I, so I got down there and I, I got, I crept to the edge. Wind was perfect and everything. I crept to the edge. I got on my shooting sticks. I was using my late father-in-law's little 243. It was just a lot of model 600 Remington. And I was doing it just because I, you know, I thought it would be cool um to, because i never met my father-in-law he was he died before i married my wife and so i was using his gun which is kind of cool so i got it up on shooting sticks i'm like here we here we roll man so i kicked a rock i just took a i had there's like a softball size sandstone rock at my feet i just kicked it off in that draw and that joker came trotting out of that thing and i dusted him like, like on the trot at like 65 yards because the second i saw him i was like oh yeah and i shot him right so, so back then I was much younger and I wasn't at the point I am now. That's number one. Number two, just, just for reference, that was on the same hunt that you came down on. So it was that, it was that hunt. Yeah. It was, it was that third rifle hunt. Right. And so that, that was a heck of a buck on that hunt with all the hunt pressure. And, and even at that point in time, that was one you shoot, you know, you don't let that one go. Heck of a Good frame. Heck, heck of a Dude, yeah, just cool looking buck. He's got eye guards bigger than some of my first deer. I killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, so going back to the age thing, just real fast, a couple of illustrations, a couple of stories. I watched my dad with a bow miss a three and a half year old, guaranteed three and a half year old, 195 inch net typical. Sometimes, sometimes if the conditions are right, and, and the genetics are right, and all the conditions line up, the stars line up, right? You can have a young buck that's really big. That buck, Dustin, was one of the stupidest 109, well, no, it was the stupidest 195-inch buck I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, he shot at that thing at 38 yards, had a deflection, missed it. It was with two fork and horn bucks, what Utah people call two points. There was two, there was two one-and-a-half-year-old bucks and this three-and-a-half-year-old buck standing there, just just dustin just like just a giant rack in this little three and a half year old body but just and it what it didn't look big because the deer was small it was big yeah like it was a big big buck right and so here's here's the rub like do you shoot that buck if you're me because the rack size is you know where you kind of want it but you know he's young right or is that is that better 
or is that going to feel as good as shooting a buck that you have four years of history with that has Coke can bases and mass and bladed eye guards, but only scores 170 because he's nine years old. Right. You know, what's I'm going to ask you before, like I answer that, which one would you rather have? Well, that's the, a tough question. Maybe. No, it's not. The, the, the Dustin from 10 years ago would have a hard time with that question. Now, like all this talk we're talking and and again score is like it's it's just the starting point of like it gives you a metric you know we have to use something like and it's very hard especially if you you know if it's not a deer that you have years of history with it's really hard to judge you know it's 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 easy to judge a young buck or an old buck but it's like is he five and a half is he eight and a half is he you know that that's really tough for me at least but any more um I have more, I have much more respect. Let me put it that way. Does that answer the question? I have much more respect for the guy who I've learned to, that hunts down the eight and a half year old buck that he has four years of history with and only goes 170. I have a much more respect because I know, I know how hard that is. Like, even though I've never done it, I know how hard that is. So yes. 10 years ago though, it would have been like, oh dude, like the score, right? Like the 195 inch mm-hmm. three, three-year-old, but anymore, mm-hmm. the, the, I have much more respect for the guy who, who goes through all that history with a buck or whatever. It's why whitetail hunting so addictive. Like I'll never whitetail hunt in my life probably, but like, you know, that that's why those guys love whitetail hunting so much. Cause they just, they spend years and years, like these relationships with these bucks and they're like, there, it all happens within five freaking square acres or whatever, right? <laughs> and like yeah. they can't kill them or whatever, and so that's why you know that they love it so much, obviously. But anyway, it's it's epic, you know. And that and that you know, and I'm telling you that buck, I'm is I know what I'm talking about. Sure as I'm sitting here, that buck would have net it would have net scored in the BNC. It would have been a net booner booner buck, right? But 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 yes, very very not intelligent, and so. I'm going to sound like a two-faced flip-flopper here for a second because a few minutes ago, I told you I may never shoot a deer ever in my life again. And now I'm going to sound like a different guy for just a second. That, that big eye guard buck that got away from us, what he did to me, if I get a tag next year, I'm shooting that buck. (laughs) (laughs) Are you hearing me? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) There's two reasons. There's two reasons. He has an outstanding feature that I really like. And that's eye guards that are bigger than any eye guards I've ever seen on a buck. Number two, he is, he does have age and he will have another year on him next year. Right. And number three, he's not little, like, yeah. you know, if he puts on enough inches, he's going to be like, I honestly, Dustin, I think this year was probably 180 inch deer. Um, mostly strongly because he was just a four by three. He just had a big three on one side, but next year, I bet, you know, if conditions are right and remain right and everything's the stars line up, I'm no doubt I, I, he could be 190 inch deer with seven inch eye guards. That buck's going down. Yeah. He don't have to be 220 inches for me to shoot him. So kind of, kind of flip flop that a little bit, but yeah, when you get history with deer like that, and for me, for the latter part of my hunting, my mule deer hunting career, careers, I've, I've got later in life, I've had a lot of bucks that I've had history with. And uh, there's something about that that's special yeah. that you can't, it changes the whole complexion of everything that we just talked about almost now, but they have to have, they have to have, they have got to be big, massive. They got to have an outstanding feature of some sort, but, but, but yes, I would, I, if I get a tag next year, it's going to be that buck and no other buck. Listen, it's, it, so. it's like, it's like 
let, let me end by saying like, it's probably how my wife was, right? Like there's some there, I was tall, right? And so she was interested in me physically, but really like, you know, and, and so she dated me and then you find out like, oh, he's got a good personality or whatever. And you fall more in love with the, with the buck as you like get to know him and they're playing this game back and forth, even though he's like, he's not the biggest, like I'm not the best looking dude or anything, but like, maybe I'm funny, you know, and she finds, I don't know, it's getting late and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it makes, it makes sense. It's, it's just called, it's called gain, uh, gaining a relationship with the buck and like, right. you'll see, some of the um, some of the the most watched YouTube videos of bucks are, are stories that are like that, where whether it be a whitetail or a mule deer or whatever, it's this relationship that develops and yes. the heartache and, and the heartbreak and the in the in the smart things that they do to you and the decisions you the bad decisions you make or the misses that you the shots that you have on them you miss them, that stuff becomes paramount in the chase um, to me. So yeah. Like I want to walk up. I, 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 that still falls under the category of, I wouldn't be disappointed walking up on it. Right. And so I just don't want ever want to be disappointed. I don't want to ever take a a mule deer's life ever again, ever where I'm, I wished I hadn't. I just don't want that feeling. So, so, so there's easy ways to stay away from that. Make it hard. Look, set your goals, set your goals high. And, and well, it's, it's, it's why I laugh when, you know, the whole, like, Oh, long range hunting rifle, right? Like that whole thing gets brought up and I'm thinking, bro, like it can be whatever you want. I've never think about this, Duggar. Like I, for the last five years that I've worked where I work, I have never been more lethal in the mountains and I've never killed less deer. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can smoke something in the right scenario. Like the shooting conditions are right. I've got the training and the knowledge and the weapon and the system to smoke a buck at a thousand yards. I just do. Right. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you take every, you know, that's a whole nother deal. Like you obviously the shot conditions got to be right. But I, and yet I have filled less tags in the last five years than ever in any other five year bank before that in my life. So <laughs> yeah. it's bull crap, right? It's, it's absolute yeah. bull crap when they use that, like, Oh, the long range rifle. And you know, it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, if, if you want it to be, I don't care if we all have to hunt with traditional bows or if everybody gets to hunt with, you know, skirt, it's not, it's not the, you know, it's like blaming the gun, right? When, a, when somebody shoots up a place, like it's not the weapon's fault. It's not the, that's right. It's the person pulling the trigger. Isn't that ironic that um, all the, you know, this is the same crowd that's all for, you know, gun rights and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, it's not the gun's fault. It's not the gun's fault. And yet the, the very next breath, they're at a rack meeting. Uh, you know, going off about how we've got to limit the scopes. We've got to limit the scopes. No, we have to change the mentality. We have got to change the freaking, the mindset and the mentality of everyone out there hunting as you know, just, it just has to, everybody has to shift a little bit. You know, it's like the theme here hasn't been, you know, that a 14 year old has to go hunt for 200 inch bucks. We've clearly said like a 14 year old, go get the experience. That's great, man. Like if you're a meat hunter, be a meat hunter. If you're just learning, do it. But, but that middle section, I think of guys who are kind of like I was back in New Mexico, like it's not the gun's fault, man. Like you pulled the trigger and you know, whether that was something that would, you know, make you happy or not. So anyway, no, no doubt about it. Hey, real quick, similar, but not the same. Back in like 19, long time ago, 1992 to about 96, I had the most severe case of target panic with the bow that's ever been known to man. 
And during that time, I got shots at, shots at big bucks like nobody's business. The second I cured target panic in 97 and I could like knock your eye out at 100 yards of the dang bow or whatever it was, I could, at that point, I never, like I could never get another opportunity. It's almost like, it's almost like the the karma out there that's in the universe or whatever. And just like, okay, well, cool. You know, you had your chance. We're sorry that you had target panic, but now you're not going to get any shots. We know you can kill them now, but sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt, you know, you know, sometimes it feels that way. Like you feel it feels like you're getting picked on, right? You know, yeah. like man, this is like I'm the only person that's getting picked on here, which is not true, obviously. But but yeah, I similar but not the same. Like I, I came out of that target panic, dude, and I never could get a shot at some of the size of bucks that I missed when I had target panic. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, Frick, man. Pray that we uh let's pray that we all see big bucks next year and that we don't have target panic and that the you know, the shot conditions are right and that everybody just gets the buck they're after. So there there you go. And be you know, bottom line, you know, if you're happy shooting a two point buck more power to you yep like my 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 best my best friend mark smith like i I don't think i don't think he would get mad or disagree with me when i say that he'll forever be 12 years old (laughs) and and i and i freaking i I, dustin i'm envious of that i really am i mean that sincerely from the bottom of my heart because that guy is always happy with what he shoots and i think that it it is who he is and it's and it stems from the background that he came from and I love it that he's my best friend. I love him because he is genuinely happy with everything he shoots. And by all means, if you're happy with what you shoot, shoot it. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. As for me, you know, I, I know what will make me happy and I don't ever want to be disappointed. So yeah. that's, that's it, man. Well, Duggar, I love you, man. You're a wealth of knowledge. I sure appreciate you wasting a couple hours uh, chatting mule deer and stuff. I'm frick, man. I hope I can get down there and whether it's mule deer or freaking ibex or something down there, like just come down, come through that country again and see you. So, absolutely, win that fish and trip. Oh yeah, I'm gonna we'll, win this trip, I, duh. Yeah, win, yeah, win the trip and then be patient because what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll go fish the wand and like between Thanksgiving sometime and Christmas and we'll go fish the wand and we'll go look at running bucks out here in some of our premier units. We'll make a couple days of it. Jackpot, love it. Cool, man. Okay. Well, have a good night. Have a good rest of your uh, your winter there, chasing bucks around, and we'll look forward to seeing some videos and stuff on the on the tube and the Instagram too. Sounds good. Love you too, brother. Right, brother. Appreciate you. See you, Doug. See ya. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do: leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.